of how the comedy store started. And you know what I learned? <clears throat> it actually opened on the day that she... Kick off your weekend with a wild night at the bar. Barkeep Trevor Garner opens the door for you to share a few rounds with him and his friends every Friday night at 9. There's always a seat available for newcomers and regulars alike during Trevor's happy hour. You just go where the conversation takes you. No agenda, no pressure, just a time for friends to get together. The drinks are always good and the conversation is always lively. Feel free to call in and listen live every Friday night at 9. We'll see you there Friday night at 9 for Trevor's happy hour.
You know what? Get them on the phone. This is their show. Oh, good Get them God. on the show. You know what? Trevor's happy hour. Uh, don't call in 714-798-9806 until I tell you. But Okay, Mitzi Shore, she uh, was the owner of the comedy store. I did some research on her. But we have Dave Lehrman coming on and Steve Bluestein, not Bruce Springsteen. He will be on. <laughs> wow. But she was like, she had Parkinson's disease. My mom has that too. Um, I guess it's tough. But I, I can't, look, I can't talk about it. It's just like, this is their life. They know everything about it. I don't. But I'm doing Trevor's Happy Hour and I want to get the information out. I talked to a guy named Bruce Baum. And I also talked to uh, Argus Hamilton today. Uh, they said, he was on TV. Who was Argus? Argus Hamilton. Yeah, I'll try to get. They, I gave him the number. They, they said, well, Bruce hello. Ball, who's this? D Dave. Hello, Dave. Yeah, hi. Okay, hold on. Oh, yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna do the tribute, but like, I'm, I'm not one to do it. Did you hear? I started with Wild Thing by Kennison. Um. I, uh, that's a, that's what I, I don't know. Maybe that that that's entertainment, or uh, who knows? Um, who knows? But I, I'm watching the comedy store. Like I, I never really watched uh, the uh, E True Hollywood story. Man, she was a uh, tough, she was a tr tough cookie when she like, and like Sammy Short. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Okay, get get yeah, Samuel. Samuel went for Elvis, you know. He oh well, he did, and then he got he got like fired, and then he came back and. And like she had already taken over this comedy store and like turned it into a gold mine, and he like he was out. Oh there. yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, did you? Get um, I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it was an exciting time. Have you got Steve on the phone? I don't know. I'm asking Mike the engineer. Did you get uh, Steve on the phone? Not yet. Or is a, is a Bruce Baum? Coming out, or? he said he said he's out with friends right now, but he said he'll try to call in. And then I I talked to oh, Argus okay. Hamilton, and he'll try. If we can get them all, that'd be great. I'd be just, let's just like run this and see how it goes. Oh, all right. sure. Yeah. So okay, get Steve. But it's like okay. Right, I'm on. gonna I'm gonna explain this. Steve Bluestein is old school seventies like comedy star. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, he it was seven nineteen seventy three. Um, I mean, he was like with Gabe Kaplan and David Letterman. And I mean, I've got the comedy store yearbook in front of me. So, you know, uh, if you want to ask any questions or, I mean, that de de definitely, you know, just, uh, truthfully, truthfully, have you want... been to the comedy store? Yes. Yes. One time. And, uh, I want you and Steve to like hash it out though. Oh, yeah, that's fine. And talk about you know how that got started, or I mean, I just talk about that you're you're like yeah, no problem. Then hopefully people will call in, you know. Yeah, well, no, we really don't want people to call in. I just want to hear it. I want okay. you guys to talk. I want you to sure. talk. Well, I mean, well, I mean, why don't you do this? Why don't you, you know, interview me and ask me uh, about things that that you know you probably heard a lot of stories, you know, about the history of the well, comedy we're store. Not available now. Please leave your Hello? name and phone number oh, after the beep. Hello? No. Zombie, I told you not to call in. Oh, hey, I, I put Zombie call. on. I don't I want call. Zombie on. I don't want him on. I wanted Steve on. Zombie Zombie will be quiet. He's not going to say anything. He doesn't. He, he's, okay. he's like, Zombie's a big mouth, like Irving the Indian Boy. What? Why'd you do Since that? Since when? 
listen. Right, I'll oh. sit and listen. No, no, no problem. Somebody, somebody just died. Would you guys stop arguing? Because you know yeah. what? I, I know absolutely nothing about the comedy okay, store. Okay, well, let's so on. Oh, yeah, well, that's just... what we're going to try to do. We're going to okay. try to enlighten Call some Steve. people about, you Call know, where we're I did. It, it, it's not there. It didn't answer. Well, okay. I gave you his no. number. You me, I'll try back. Let me try again. I, I, no, I mean, there's some people listening, so why don't we uh, get this show on the road? I don't want my battery to die, and then you start yelling at me. Uh, I'm not yelling. <laughs> she was how, how old was she, like 87? Uh, 87, yeah. Yeah. And then the comedy store uh, was opened in 72. And that was April, and it was April 10th, like right Right this time, right. The time and, then, it, it was, uh, and then you know the anniversary of Kinnison's death was yesterday. Yeah, it's all it's like that's weird. All this stuff happened at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and um, uh, Johnson Winters died five years ago today. He was also um, a big part of the comedy store. So if I uh, I mean, so many people, is, Robin Williams, is, Fire. Is there a guy named um, Steve Bluestein there? Yes, there is. Man, Steve Bluestein. Hey, Steve. <laughs> uh, hi. Who else is here? Dave Learman. Uh, Mike the engineer. From Doug and Dave. Mike the engineer and Zombie Wolf, who likes uh, Frank Zappa and Trevor's Happy Hour. That's me. I'm Trevor. Oh, hi, Trevor. Hey, Steve. Hi. Steve, I'm looking at a picture of you uh, from the Comedy Store yearbook. You're right underneath uh, David Letterman and in the same row as uh, Craig T. Nelson and Robert Altman, who was called Uncle Dirty back then. I uh, I, I came upon the Comedy Store a little bit later in 1987, so you are definitely the, uh, the, 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 uh, the uh, uh, elder who deserves the most respect. How are you, Steve? I, I, I'm great, and the I came to the comedy store in 1971, uh, and I was living in a, an apartment building with, uh, and Dave Madden was living there, uh, and I was, you know, making people laugh around the pool, and he said, you know, you should go to the comedy store. I said, what the hell's that? And so he took me to the comedy store. He, Dave Madden brought me into the comedy store. And I said, I think I can do this. And that's, you know, and the next night or a couple of days later, I, I went back and I got on stage and Sammy Shore came up to me and said, yeah, come back, kid. You got the sound. You have the sound. <laughs> and I came back and it was David and, and uh, uh, um, Pat Proft and Carol White and about Tim uh, Thomerson, Denny Johnson, Gary Mueller, right. that, that's your era, right? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think here. Yeah, Pat, Jimmy Walker, Johnny and, Dark. Uh, Johnny Dark, of course. And, right, and, uh, Willie Tyler Murray Lester. Lester. Murray Langston, the unknown comics. Willie Tyler uh, Lester, right? Right, and Carol White, Carol E. To White, yeah. and, right. and uh, Valerie Curtin, and... Did, uh, did, did Mitzi have all three rooms running? 
When, when you no, was there, the belly no. room, the OR, and the main room? I mean, what, what, no. when I got there in 87, you know, there was the main room. Uh, we worked with Kinison. So there was the main room, uh, and then there was the OR, and they had potluck every Monday where, you know, you'd see everybody from, like, yeah. uh, Richard Pryor to, you know. So what was it like well, when you started? Right. When I started, the room, there was just one room, and uh-huh. it was... Uh, and next door was Art LeBeau's uh, club where they did the music from the 50s. And Mitzi had, uh, Mitzi wanted to buy the whole building. She tried to get Art LeBeau out and she couldn't. Uh, and then when she finally did and she bought the building, they moved the wall of the original room back about 10 feet to make it a little bit larger. The original room was much smaller. And, wow. uh, and uh, she had then had the, the original room, and then she had the big room. And then later, she came up with the idea for an all-women's uh, room, and that became the belly room, which was upstairs. Right. And that was, okay. I didn't, I didn't realize there's any female comics in the 70s, where, I mean, there... Lotus Weinstock. I'm trying to think of who. Um, Karen no, Haber. Later. That was later. Yeah, that's later. In the beginning was Robin Tyler, mm-hmm. okay. and uh, and uh, that was it basically. Tyler, uh, Tyler and Harrison. They were uh, uh, a comedy team, and they were lesbians, and they talked about it in the <laughs> 70s. It was wow. unheard of. It was unheard wow. of. Wow. And Robin has gone on to be a very powerful voice for the gay community. You know, she's, uh, she was the one that, uh, you know, was, uh, was working for gay marriage. Yeah. Is David online? Is David on the line? Dave, I'm on the line. Yeah, Dave's on and I'm on Trevor. Uh, we're, we're here. No, no, I thought you said David Letterman was online. No, no, no Letterman. No, Letterman. He's yeah. he, like David Letterman. I get Lerman. that a lot. Dave Letterman. Oh, David Letterman. We were Lerman. part of the Outlaws of Comedy. No, no. We were part of the Outlaws of Comedy hey, well, with Kinnison and Carl Ball. And... Right. He was like in the 80s. He was the 80s comedy club with yeah. Kinnison. Uh, that, that, that was my time at the comedy store. Oh, I see. Store, I right. see. Uh, yeah, it was really interesting because when I first got there, when you walked up the steps, right? There was a uh-huh. window on the on the wall that faced you, and right. well, Mitzi that's right was, where the bar, where the outside bar, right? No, no, you're not listening. When you walked okay. up the steps on the inside of the club, at, uh-huh. and you got to the first landing, there was a window in that wall, and Mitzi would oh, wow. sit there and take tickets, and from that window, this is when oh, wow. when when uh, Sammy owned the club. Now, Sammy. Started the club because he wanted a place where he could showcase himself, and it, and so he got all the call all his uh, friends in show business, and they all started to hang out at the comedy store. So what happened was that the, his friends were drinking so much free liquor that they were going out of business. And they had to put a stop to it. So Mitzi came in and she she put a stop to the you know to the drinking or well, to the free drinking. Hey, can I can I make one comment? I did some research. 
they were charging 85 cents a drink back then, and he wanted to raise it yeah. to a dollar. He wanted to raise it to a dollar, and uh, I guess you wouldn't let him or something. It was kind of strange. But Yeah, hey, well, I mean, it was 30, 40 years ago, you know. Yeah, 85 cents, though. But he, it's also hey, the, hey, Steve. What? How, how close was um, that the Showtime series based on the book I'm dying up here? Was it at, at all reflective? I've talked to Argus about it. Um, and you know, a lot of comics have very different views, but you were there. Um, what was your take on, on dying All up right. here? Uh, that I'm dying up here is to reality of what was happening. What Arnold Schwarzenegger is to Swan Lake. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> there it, it's, I mean, the portrayal of the character that is supposed to be Mitzi is so off that well, I couldn't I knew even that, watch. I knew Mitzi, yeah. I, I, it was so off I couldn't even watch the show. Now I was wow. interviewed for the book. I was interviewed for the book, and he got the book pretty much right. You know, when you're writing a book, I, I just finished my book. Uh, it's coming out May first. It's called Memoir of a Nobody. It's on. It'll be. It's published uh, by Bear Manor Publishing. It's going to be on Amazon. Well, you're far from a nobody. You're a legend in comedy. So. Well, I know, but I feel like a nobody. But and anyways, so um, <clears throat> so I forgot what I was talking about. <laughs> no, we were talking was, about um, I'm dying up here. How it was? Uh, at oh right, right, right. That's why I like. And when he's yeah, writing, when he's writing, when you're writing a book, the book has to have an arc. You know, it has to start someplace and have a story. And he based it around Steve Lubetkin's. Um, uh, right. And he mentioned real names like, you know, Mike Binder, Ollie mm-hmm. Joe, and, and and where I'm dying up here just had, you know, really, really vague characters. that It was very hard. But I, I liked the book as well. Well, I, and, you know, the very first paragraph of the book, he talks about George Miller's memorial where Elaine Boozler shouted out about to Tom Dreesen. And then in the book, it says, and then an unknown comic shouted out and said, and when she dies, and it got a big laugh, and that's what started uh, his interest in the camaraderie of comedians and writing that book. That's what he says in the book. And he said it was an unknown comic. Well, it was me. I said it. Oh, wow. And so I, when I read that, wow. I called him, and I said, it was me. I said it. And he said, uh, all right, I promise you I'll... I'll do, I'll fix it in the next edition. I don't think it was fixed. <clears throat> but it was, did, um, but did you ever work with Lou Dax? I, you know, Lou's a, a wonderful guy. I don't I don't remember him. You yeah, know, yeah, uh, yeah, that's I I just got uh recently, you know, like I said I work with Kinnison mostly and he uh he was part of the documentary on Spike. So he's fairly a new friend to me, but we got there in 87 and he said he left in 85. Now you worked with Argus, of course, right? Right. I worked with Argus, but I left, I got there in 71 and I left in 75. I got signed to ICM uh, out of the comedy store. I was actually working at the improv in Vegas when I got the call you're opening for Kenny Loggins in Lake Tahoe tomorrow night. So I went from the comedy store improv stage to the to the big stage. 
And then I started working, you know, regularly in Vegas and all over the over the country. And so I never right, really yeah. went, I never really went back to the comedy store. So you never like you never played like Westwood or La Jolla or the Dunes. I did no, I did play Westwood, and I uh, did play La Jolla, because that was all during that time period when I was there. You know, now when you were there, did did Mitzi start people off as doormen? Uh, I think, or did that come I later? Think, no, the, like, um, uh, who was the, the, uh, I can't remember his name. He's a black actor now. He's in all the, all the Franklin movies. Franklin the Jai, uh, Robert no, Townsend, um, Paul Mooney. No, Paul Mooney. Or... Old, older, older. Uh, older, Witherspoon. Jimmy Witherspoon. Jimmy Wilde, Darryl No, Jimmy Witherspoon. He, oh, John, he was, Wither, John Witherspoon, yeah, Spoon, John Witherspoon, right. Right. He was a doorman. So I think it oh, wow. started with it started with him. Started with Spoon, <clears throat> wow. Yeah, he was the first one. But okay, but uh Steve, did you did you play with uh Richard Pryor? I I didn't play with him, but not we socialized. I, I'm not that we, I, I I shouldn't have said that. Like we're on the same stage. We we know. socialized, you know. After the club, but I mean, I was, I, I think I was on a show, I was on the show early in the evening, and then he came on later at night. But, you know, the truth of the matter is that Jimmy Walker is the one who put the comedy store on the map. Because of Jimmy, good times. Because of good times. Because, because, because of good times. And what happened was when Jimmy got good times, part of his deal was that Tandem would pay for uh, writers to write his act. So Jimmy went to Mitzi and said, I need a place. So Mitzi put Jimmy on and she'd started scheduling shows. So Jimmy would close the nine o'clock show, the, you know, the early show. And that's what brought the people in. And that would have been, been like 1975, then, 75 or so. Yeah. Right? Around, around then. And then, when the crowd started coming, then Richard started coming, mm-hmm. and then they really, it really took off, you know, because it was packed every night. It was, it, you know, it was the golden age of comedy in the beginning. It was every night packed, packed audiences, but, every but, single but night. But Steve, Steve, like, uh, comedy wasn't even a business when they started. It was like an amoeba. It was like nothing, right? I know, right, and Mitzi Shore created the comedy store the comedy club industry that you know it today it was Mitzi's idea to schedule the shows it was Mitzi's idea to have a light on the photo it was Mitzi's idea to have clubs outside of uh Los Angeles now there was always this feud between Bud Friedman and Mitzi who came first oh, yeah that there's no doubt that Bud came first I was in Bud's club in 1969 in New York City. But it wasn't an exclusive comedy club. What it was was a club that had comedians, but also had all the Broadway kids who would come to the club after the show and they would perform. They would sing and do music and comedy and, and magic. But the comedy store was the first club who did specifically comedy. So it's, there's a gray area, but you know, it's de- Bud definitely was first. There's no question about that. And, but Mitzi was the first to do specifically comedy. 
Now, in the 70s, did you have to, because I know in the 80s, you were either a comedy star comic or an improv comic. You had to you had to pick sides, and it wasn't until Jamie opened the Laugh Factory when there even was something even close to competition. Um, what, was it like that in the 70s, or could you play both? Well, uh, in the beginning, in the very uh, beginning, there was no competition. There was only the comedy store. And what the comics would do is that we'd all show up and we'd sit in the back of the room and then Miss Sammy would come by and go, you're next and you're next. And then, you know, like that. And some nights you'd go there and you'd sit all night and you wouldn't get on. Some nights you'd sit there and uh, you'd be on at one o'clock in the morning. And, and that's, what Mitzi's that was Mitzi's first innovation. So right, I'm was, gonna, hey, can I say this? Where what, she had that lineup, what? she had that lineup card, right? Right. There you go. She, that was her first. Sammy fought her. He said, "You'll never get comics to call in," and she said, "Yes, they will. They'll <laughs> call in if they." And and they did, and everybody called in for spots. It wasn't until about two or three years after the comedy store opened that the improv opened in Melrose on Melrose. Now, the story that I, I was told, because I wasn't there, but was that Bud came into the comedy store and Mitzi sent a drink over to the table. And Bud says, I don't need her to buy my drinks. And that yeah, I heard started the same story. The, yeah, I heard that the same story. Heard? Yeah. yeah, and that's yep. what started the feud. And that's what started. Mitzi was like, you're too good to accept my, my generosity. Exactly, yeah. That's yeah. uh, all right. That so, was but, the same thing. Did you happen to see Carrie Snow's post on Facebook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bud won. Bud won. Bud, and then everybody Bud was won. like, you son, Bud won. <laughs> I, my God, I almost wet my pants when I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I, I love Carrie. Carrie's awesome. Can you explain? And, hey, uh, look, you know, I think, well, I think hey, even Mitzi would, would smile at that. Can you explain, I, what, can, you, no, but can you explain that to the people well, listening? They don't know what you're talking about. Well, I um, to answer your question, um, when the improv opened, there was you know there were, everybody worked both clubs, and then as the tension between the two owners grew, then they sort of parted ways. You know, what I mean, there would, became a comedy store crew, and there became an improv crew, and I right. my loyalties as much as I liked Bud, my loyalties was always to Mitzi because. She's the one that got me started, but I was able to work both clubs, but I was always, when I was at the improv, always like the, uh, the, uh, unwanted adopted child, you know? Ah. Now in the seventies, was there like a lot of competition, like to get on Carson or like the midnight special or, uh, you know? You, yes. It was really cutthroat. It was really, uh, it's, what was the guy's know, name? Jim McClure, the talent guy. Yeah, they, yeah, he you know. was a talent coordinator on the on the Tonight Show, and with Paul. Yeah, Block. he was like judge, judge and jury, right? Right, right, and and um, comics from New York used to come out, and like David Le David uh, Brenner used to say to, used to say to me, "It's not like this in New York. In New York, we're all pushing for each other. Out here, it's so cutthroat." You know, and Gabe Kaplan, the same thing. Because New York was a, you know, if you live in New York City, it's you're trapped in Manhattan. Well, yeah, but you're trapped in Manhattan. And, um, and you, you know, you're all, 
miserable at the same time. And you, you don't have cars and you have to depend on each other to get around. But um, in California, it was, you know, wide open and the competition was really, you know, hard. And, and, and uh, yeah, it, was, it wasn't fun. I got to tell you, it wasn't fun. That's sad. No, no. no. Steve, I remember, and I hope my memory is good. Um, you in the eighties, didn't you work the road? Because I swear, I grew up in Detroit, and I could swear that you played Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle um, in, in, in the eighties. Yeah, that's I where did. I first saw you. I did, and I was eighteen years old. That was like thirty-two years ago. <laughs> The, uh, thank you, thank you. I'll, thank you, Dave. I'll go. I'll go take my pills now. I, no, um, no, no. I, you, I, you know, I didn't mean it like that. I, 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 I remember. Fantastic. I remember being in. In this is the true story. I remember being in Detroit, and the shows were not really filling up. And uh, I kept saying on stage every night, "If we don't get an audience, there's going to be a fi- the fire will be on Friday." And I kept saying it. <laughs> And then Friday night, I was in the dressing room, and somebody ran in and said, Steve, get out. The building's on fire. I said, I was only joking. I didn't. <laughs> it was, yeah. And I, re- I don't remember. But another comic was in town, and she was a woman, and she came in, and uh, 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 she, she was visiting me. We both had to flee. We had to flee the... Uh, uh, the, the building. But let me tell you something interesting about how much influence the comedy store and Mitzi had on show business, the face of show business. There used to be a group called the, the comedy store players. And in the very beginning, it was Archie Hahn, Pat Prop, Bo Capel, and Valerie Curtin. That changed the next the next, like within the next year, it became Pat Proft, Bo Capel, Carol White, and Gary Austin. Okay. So Gary, uh, I went in and, and I saw the show and I, I spoke to Valerie Curtin after, after the show. And I said, you know, I really need to get in a class. Can you, can you, you know, any good classes? And Valerie said, well, Gary's starting a workshop. So I approached Gary and I said, can I be part of your workshop? And he said, sure. So I was in the very first workshop that later became the groundlings. Wow. And, oh, wow. and from the groundlings, wow. you get all these stars from Saturday night live, but yeah, none of that yeah. would have, none of that would have happened right. if it hadn't been for the comedy store and Gary getting the exposure of, but the comedy you know, store players were they like the Groundlings? Were they like Second City, like an improv? Yes, they were. Kind of thing? We 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 did improvs. I when Gary left, I replaced Gary in the comedy store players. So it was Carol wow. White, Bo Capel, Pat, and me. Now you know who Pat Proft is, right? Yeah, of course. No, you don't. Oh, you do. I do. Pat, I'm a comedy store. I. You know when I first saw you, Steve, I make me laugh. That's how old I am. Yeah. Oh, with Gary and with Gary and Gallagher. Right. Was, uh, uh, no, and with Kip Adada. Oh, Gary Shandler. Oh, wow. There's a name. Kip Adada. Kip yeah. was the finest comedian working at the comedy store. I used to sit in the back of the room and say, you can mark his timing with a met, 
excuse me, metronome. Yeah. Wow. He was that he was that precise and so so very commercial, very funny. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So oh so so you looked up to Kip Badada. I didn't look up to Kip. He was a contemporary. I you know, I you know what I'm saying? You yeah. we I didn't look up to anybody. I just he was my friend and uh but I I you know, I studied everybody. Right. Because in the beginning you really don't have a style. And I studied everybody to see, you know, what are they doing that I'm not doing that, you know, is getting the laugh. Well, you know what Kip uh, you know what Kip told me? Kip told me, he goes I used to have jokes that bombed, and he would like like use them at the comedy store, but then he'd only use the good ones on the Tonight Show, and so it's like he would like bury them away, and he had like like four or five good jokes that he would like test them. Is that the way it works? You just like write them all. Well, I mean, right, 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 everybody, right. everybody. I work differently than most comics. Most comics sit at home with a yellow pad and they write jokes all day. Then they get up on stage and they try the jokes. I don't work that way. I write on stage, and I I always thought that that was wrong until David Letterman, uh, David uh, uh, Brenner, told me that that's how he works. He just gets up on stage and starts riffing, and that's basically how I got my act. I you know I one night I was standing on stage and I I just stopped in the middle of my act and I looked at the audience and I said. If I have to say these words one more time, I'm going to slit my throat. <laughs> and the audience laughed. And I just said, oh, I don't care. Let me just, what do you do? And that's how it started. Yeah. And I started talking to the audience. And every time I would talk to the audience, something would come up that I would keep. And I would build pieces from the improv that I did on stage. And the improv, I learned how to do in Gary Austin's classes. And that's, that's, what the, that's how the comedy store affected the face of comedy. It, 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 you now, know, I, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to ask you if um, during the 70s, like in the 80s, there were some pretty intense rivalries like Tennyson and Dice. Um, you know, um, w- was there like any sort of like jealousy or infighting when guys like Freddie Prince would get like a Chico and the Man or, you know, cause you had mentioned about Jimmy Walker being, you know, or like a Gabe Kaplan would get a welcome back Carter. Uh, because no, ab- no, people don't realize that, you know, they think Seinfeld was the first stand up, you know, the kids today to, you know, but that was going on very much. So when, when you were in the thick of it, because there were only three channels, right? Oh, come on. Don't make me sound like I came out here in a covered wagon. There was, <laughs> no, there, no. Was, there was cable. We had cable. Jesus. In the 70s? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, we no. used to sit around the campfire and God. write jokes for each other. Dude, no, no. Hey, hey, Steve. Steve, you had, like, on TV. I used to ask, I used to ask Cook if, he would, if we could get something <laughs> from the chuck wagon. Steve, you had, you, had on t- you had on TV and select TV. Remember those, like, antennas on your head? Oh, right, right. On TV was the first one. We had cable. Jesus Christ. Now, that, did you did you ever hear the story that no. uh, it was when Mike Mike Binder when he did the comedy jam that Mitzi felt very betrayed because she really wanted to be the woman you know to bring comedy to cable because you were on evening at the Improv I remember too as well right yeah I yeah I did everything I mean I really yeah. did I did everything um, well you know Mitzi Mitzi 
would find people and then nurture them in, by giving them spots. That's what she did to me. When, when, when after she took over the club and I had been so loyal to her, she gave me the 9 o'clock spot, the, ending, the closing of the 9 o'clock show for months. And that's when I really came into my own because I, you know, I, learned the, I got the confidence. So I'm sure that she, uh, she did that with Mike Binder. And, you know, Mike was a, was a young kid. You know, he was fresh. He was a young kid when he came out. And yeah, I mean, he wasn't even old enough to be at a comedy store. No, that was Bursky. That was Alan Bursky was too young to be at the comedy store. Mike was older. Mike was older when he got it. But you oh, know, wow. Mike, was, Mike was very commercial, very commercial. And he's turned into a commercial director, you know, director, writer, director. So, right. um, and I, but I can understand how Mitzi would feel betrayed or, or, or slighted because, you know, you're dealing with a bunch of people whose egos are larger than the club. And, oh, yeah. You know, and, but Mitzi also had an ego. Mitzi also right. had uh, a desire to be loved and needed and wanted. And when one of her people would betray her, she would, be, she would feel re- uh, rejected. And, yeah. you know, me, me if, you, if you hit me with a stick and you take the nail out of it, I'm so grateful that I follow you for the rest of my life. And that's what I was with Mitzi. That's what I was with Mitzi. I, 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 I loved her for what she did, you know, and, or for me. She was quite and a visionary. She was. And, and, you know, yeah. and a year ago, I went to visit her at the house. And uh, I, was, I was just devastated because you know, she had really failed you know yeah yeah i I saw a picture of her with uh uh, jeff scott and and i i showed my mom you know uh how much she looked as i remember her and then this picture from her 85th birthday and she had yeah i i understand exactly what you're saying but but i said to her i said to her everything i have today i owe to you i said and i will i I feel the same way i said and i will never let them forget. And I mean it, yeah. you know, yeah, it, as, do I, as do I, nothing I have ever accomplished. You know, my comedy partner was in a wheelchair and she let us play Monday nights in the original room. And when we came up with our kind of signature bit about hating Jerry Lewis, my comedy partner in muscular dystrophy, and he hated Jerry Lewis and Sam Kennison Robin Williams and Richard Bowser were in the back of the OR when we did the bed for the first time. And I mean, we just nailed it. And Kinnison, he pulled up $5,000 in cash out of his pocket. And within two days, we were playing La Jolla. Within a week, we were there two and a half weeks at the dunes with Alan and Carl and Mitchell. And it was just a roller coaster ride from that. And it, none of it, none of it would have happened had it not been for Mitzi, you know, giving us that shot every Monday night. And, well, and when I, we started, our comedy sucked. And she just, she would, after we would do our set, she would tell us, you know, what to work on. And she really nurtured Doug. Because, um, you know, there had not been a, a comedian. Doug was two foot six and weighed 80 pounds. Uh, there had never been anything like that, you know, at the comedy mm. store. Well, well, but and but and but I, but I'm very much like you in the sense that Dave. had it not been for Mitzi, 
I would have accomplished absolutely nothing in my life. No, no. Um, did tell, you know, I like, tell, uh, I Peter or Dave, Scott can I tell or Steve Sandy? Can I say something to Steve? No. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> I, <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm grieving, Trevor. I am grieving. I'm trying so, to get... Uh, I want to yes, say one thing. Just let me get in. Why don't you two get a room? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, hold on. I just no, want to uh, say one thing. I want to say um, one thing. I knew I, I Sandy, I Scotty, Petey, Polly. I knew them all. Uh, you know, Petey and Polly were children when I started. They were six and seven years old, and and Scotty was uh, older. He he sold real estate. And here's an interesting thing that no one else will tell you is that when Mitzi opened La Jolla, they weren't sure the club would would work because. Um, it had never been done before. They had never taken comedy clubs out of Los Angeles. But to cover her bet, Mitzi had Scott buy a condo so in case the club folded, they could sell the condo and make money. Okay, And wow. the condo was where they kept the comedians, where the comedians stayed. And I see that condo, kind of, yeah. That's to what this I day, wherever to you are on the road... If you stay in a club, the, the place where you stay is called the condo. That's, that's what I why. wanted to say. That's what I wanted to say. Because Andrew Dice Clay, when I was in rehab, he told me, he goes, Yakov Smirnoff and him like lived in the same building because like, she like put up these. No, they were talking about Crest Hill. That's Crest Hill, Trevor. Yeah, I know, but it's the same type of thing, right? It's like the comedians lived in the same building. No, but no, that's, she's talking that's, about when no, you're on the road. That's different. That's different. Yeah, that's different. That Now, in fifteen forty five Laurel Ave, okay, mm-hmm. that's the building I lived in, and that's the building that Dave Madden lived in, and because I lived there, then Bo Capro moved in, then Johnny Dark moved in, then the Burskies moved in, then Argus moved in, Liz Torres moved in, Freddie Prince moved in, and suddenly this building became the comedy the comedy condo place, but it wasn't it was uh, everybody just happened to rent. Uh, apartments there, but I was the first one that lived in that building. Wow. Now, did, did, did Mitzi have, like, house rules? Uh, like, I remember Carl LeBeau got kicked out because uh, he you weren't allowed to have, like, a girlfriend or a wife at Crest Hill. Did she have, like, house house rules there? Or I, I, I don't know. I never, saw, I never saw that house. I never, wow. I never went up there. That, again, that was Mitzi buying property to hedge the bet of the store. So they now have about, you know, $50 million worth of real estate in Los Angeles. I mean, let me ask you this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she she shaped modern comedy. There would be no stand, there there would be no, you know, like I said, I saw you at at Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle, and if it wasn't for Mitzi Shore, there wouldn't be clubs for road comics to play, you know? Right. Um, I mean, she really set the mold. And I think that's what you're referring to when you talked about how every club, it doesn't matter if you're in Houston, Texas, or if you're in Des Moines, Iowa, they have a comedy condo and that's where you stay, you know? And, even if it's, uh, even if it's a rental. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, who do you think? Who do you think is going to take over now that Mitzi's gone? I, I know that's kind of a, uh, a heavy I, question, but I'm very well, curious. I mean, Jamie, Jamie Misada is has started has taken over long before Jamie is 
the most brilliant marketing person I've ever seen. I mean, I know you know, I made to make Dane Cook famous. Yeah, he, he, did Jamie? Did Jamie do that? I mean, never talked to him again because of that. Um, but <laughs> yeah, Jim, yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 no I, I appreciate what you just said. <laughs> Continue. Oh, so uh, but um, yeah, I mean, I turned on the television one day, and there's Dane Cook in Madison Square Garden, and I said, "Who the hell is this?" And so I started watching it, and I went, "He's not funny." He's not saying it. I, why are they laughing? I didn't understand it. And I was proven right. You know, I've seen so many people come and go. You know, so many people. Uh, and, and it's the ones with staying power that become the stars. You know, the gimmicks come and go. They, people get really tired of the same thing over and over. But it's the ones who are saying something that's important, like Seinfeld. He says something that's important. Brenner, he said something that people related to. Paul Mooney. Even Paul Mooney. Paul Mooney. <laughs> I love Paul Mooney. Paul, I know Paul since the 70s. And I like Paul a lot. <laughs> he's a wonderful guy. He really is a wonderful guy. Marsha Warfield, another one yeah. who, said, who said something. You know, and now, was she and, one of the OG female comics? Was she, you know, she was yes. Back. She was one of the she was one of the first, and and Lois Braunfeld. But that Lois came later, and Lois's yeah, sister actually came before her. I can't remember what her sister's name was. I know it was Braunfeld, but she was she she came on stage one day and just blew the place away, and she became yeah. a writer, I believe. Um, well, I mean, well, you know, like look what Mitzi did with Roseanne. Now there was an experiment that went right. J Jamie did a lot of talent management, um, and, and it went wrong. But when Mitzi would see, you know, potential in someone, and she would nurture it, you know, uh, the the big the comics, uh, the female comics. When I was there, Terry Snow, uh, Judy Gold, Karen Haber. Uh, let's see. Uh, trying to think. Uh, Sandra Bernhardt was still around. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, Paula Poundstone, uh, Carol Leifer. Um, yeah, uh, but that's something. That's, that's right? like the second generation. If yeah, that's when I came me, in. Yeah. That, that you're talking. I'm talking the first generation. Uh, right. And 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 uh, uh, Marsha was in the first generation, and right. uh, because I I know that because. My agent at ICM signed Marsha as well. You know, what about so, Shirley Hemphill? Was was that during your oh, time? Because I remember yeah, she Shirley, was. I really enjoyed Shirley. Shirley. Shirley was wonderful. Wonderful. Here's a yes, great story. Yes, yes. A great story that I saw with my own eyes. The comedy store was all white male, and a very closed society. A very closed society, and in comes Shirley Hemphill in her cutoff jeans and her sailor hat reversed <laughs> and and i remember seeing the guys standing in the front and shirley coming up to the guys and the guys closing the circle and shirley standing on the outside and it broke my heart it really broke my heart and so i, I always you know i always when i would see shirley walking to the club i would stop and give her a ride and one night after she got her TV show, and she was hot, hot. 
she drove up to the comedy store in a Rolls Royce and she parked it in front of the front door and threw the keys threw the keys at the doorman and said, Leave it here. Again, again, I again laughed. This, is, this is Trevor's. I laughed. For, I must have laughed for an let hour. Me, let me just it. say something. People out there listening, they're like listening in the chat room. They got to understand who yeah. Shirley Hemphill was. She was like uh, on What's Happening. Remember what's that? Happening. Yeah, yep. What's Happening. Artist, and then Artist Thomas uh, and Fred Berry and. Yeah, rewrite. Uh, yeah, she was on that. Yeah. yeah, What's Happening Now? She was, uh, they, they revived the show. She was really a wonderful but person. she was such died. a great stand-up. She was such a great stand-up, too. She though. was a natural. She was a natural yes. stand-up. Yes. She had no fear. She would get up and she would talk, and she was likable, and people would listen, and, uh, and she didn't talk And there were very it. few before her, like LaWanda Page would probably be my closest comparison. Would that be correct? As far as well, um, you know, female well, black comics, but she, well, she wouldn't. She never came Marshall up to Warfield. Warfield. Never, never came up to uh, the comedy store except when no. Red Fox was there, and then they would do stuff together. You know, they would do spits together. But um, uh, now, yeah, when they, you when we, you were there, did they have like you know, there's a prop comic, a guitar comic? Um, I mean, it like. Was there was there sort of like these archetype comics? Because in the eighties, you know, there was like Finus Henderson. It was like the singing comic. There was, you know, uh, no, no. Um, the prop comic. No, there uh, was. Hey, there was uh, no. There the was snake comic. No, there was the unknown well, comic. There was the unknown comic. <laughs> well, that was later. That was much later. Okay. Uh, that was in the nineties, but no, I that was, was in on, the club. That was, that was on the Gong Show. Right, but that was 85 to 90 around there, I'm sure. Right. But yeah. I, I was in the club the first night Gallagher got on stage. And Gallagher uh, brought this trunk on stage with him. And he was talking, and all of a sudden, he I don't remember what the bit was, but he hit a button, and the trunk like opened up and became a circus tent. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> <laughs> and we all sat there in the background and said, this is some, this is different. This is new. And, and so I was there the first night he got on. He used, oh, wow. to, he was a, he used to make props for uh, who's the guy that's saying, I don't like spiders and snakes. He was married to Bobby Gentry. I don't know. Um, don't you? Yeah. Um, I can't Bobby remember his Gentry. name. I think Jim Jerry Stafford. Stafford. No, Jim Stafford. Jim okay. Stafford. Yeah. And he, he and, and he made props for Jim Stafford. He made a prop where the little guy would come out of the, the hole in the guitar with the saw and start sawing at uh, Jim Stafford's guitar. And and he and so Gallagher was new and, and, and refreshing. And then came Carrot Top, but that was later. And right. and then you know, there was Vic Dunlap in between. Right. Yeah, and then like when when I saw you at the comedy store, the the cycle was there was Bruce Baum, Vic Dunlop, you, Robert Wall, Bob Saget, Denny Johnston, right, um, right. Uh, uh, Will Durst, Glenn Super. Remember Mr. Bullhorn? Yeah. He um, yeah. Uh, let's see. I'm trying. Uh, uh, Dave Poulier. 
Um, but like, mm-hmm. I, I'll never forget because I saw, I remember when I was 18 seeing your headshot and you were the first guy I'd ever seen with the streak in your hair. And I thought you had the coolest headshot yeah, I'd ever I seen. Yeah, I saw that. That's and like, I, had a white streak. Yeah, but that yeah, was, was, that was awesome. later. That, that was later. That was in the eighties. Yeah. That that's, that's, just, what, that's what I was 18. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. I know. That was, yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I went in to get my hair cut and I said to the guy in the, in the, in the salon, I said, I got to do something different. And he said, well, why don't you put a blonde streak in your hair? And I went, okay. <laughs> it was, Steve, it was like Steve, that. Steve is, Steve's going to get mad at me, but, uh, Trevor, uh, uh, Doug Beatty was my comedy partner, Steve. Um, there was a newscaster in Los Angeles named Colleen Williams and, and she also had this, right. but it was right. more like a skunk hair. And Doug would watch that, and and uh, he would go, "Tape, uh, uh, Steve Bluestein should sue her for gimmick infringement." No, Bluestein. <laughs> right, Bluestein. Um, but you know, I used to have this joke. Larry Hovis gave me this joke. He said, "You know how the sun bleaches your hair?" And then I point to my hair and go, "Partly cloudy." <laughs> <laughs> you know. I'm going to say something, Steve. Uh, I like this whole conversation, but like, just tell us about Mitzi Shore and how she like uh, saved the comedy circuit. I mean, that's it. What we're talking well, about that. All right, that's- let me let me tell you that Mitzi Mitzi uh, was uh, the club was dying because clubs in Los Angeles are cyclical, so everybody wants to go to the hot new place. And everyone was coming to the comedy store, and then it started to die, and the and the crowd stopped coming. And Mitzi kept saying, "You need to have a scheduled show." <laughs> and Sammy would say, "No, yeah, that comics will call in. I promise." And so she does an amazing, uh, Mitzi. You're dead on exactly. That's how she sounded. <laughs> so, uh, and so. When Mitzi and Sammy were getting divorced, Mitzi called me up and she said, "Would you come to the house? I'm gonna need a witness." So I was at, I was at the house when Sammy and Mitzi were deciding who would get the children and who would get the club. <laughs> what? Wow! And so Mitzi got so the did... club. Mitzi wow. got the club, and so. The first thing she did was she, the very first thing was she created the comedy store logo with the, with the, with the ball, you know, with the, like, like turn of the Circle on it, yeah. Right. Uh, Italics, like, I think they're called. If, font. And yeah, right. she had, and she bought, ma- she had matches, boxes of matches, and she put them on the table. And then she had cigarettes, she had ashtrays. She put them on the table. And the next thing she did was she painted everything black. And we said, what are you doing? She said, no, the focus has to be on the stage. And so everything did got painted Did they have the red black. light back in the 70s? At the back yeah. of the room, the red light? Yeah, it, yeah they did. It started in the 70s. And then she got this, this art, this guy who would do these caricatures of famous comedians. And she hung them around the room. And the neon, the neon ones, right? Right. What? The ones that were the neon ones are the different icons, like WCPLs and. Well, no, before the, the neon was was oh. canvas. 
canvas painting. Oh, wow. I didn't know you that. Know. Yeah, and um, well, the neon made it more exciting, but the, the canvas paintings were the first, the first, uh, 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 first version of that room. Um, and, and then between the scheduled shows and finding Jimmy Walker as the headliner to close the show, that's when the club started to take off. And it never, it, it never stopped. And, you know, and other club owners would come in from all over the country. Cause I've worked, I've worked in Dallas and Houston and, uh, in, uh, El Paso, uh, Miami, uh, 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 I can't even say, uh, New Mexico and Albuquerque. Every one of these clubs is structured exactly the same way. You know, and hey, Steve, can I ask you a question? It's like I saw like early, no. early David Letterman. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. Ask, I'll ask you. It's my show. Trevor's happy hour. So early David. Early David early Letterman. Early David Letterman. He used to always have Jimmy Walker on his show in the beginning right. in the eighties, and but it didn't seem like he treated like Jimmy Walker with like respect. I didn't. I didn't see it. No, I think David. You know, David had an attitude. You know. All comedians have an attitude. And uh, let me just say, Jimmy wouldn't be on the show if David didn't respect him. Yeah, but when he was on the show, that, it didn't look like he was treating him with respect. So I don't know. Was that a I know, but that was, David's, that was David's attitude. You know, this, okay. this uh, you know, make fun of everything. I... I I never heard that, nor do I would I believe it. No, you know, I just David said what I, this is what I said. This is what it, I saw. This is what I saw when I was a kid. I well, you were interpreting it through your eyes, but I don't think there was a reality in that in that interpretation. Listen, David Basil books Jimmy a lot now at the Laugh Factory, and uh, yeah, the Laugh Factory in Vegas, and and uh, like uh, Steve was saying earlier, the the key to a great stand up is is evolving and and constantly you know working your craft and i i saw jimmy about six months ago and like uh harry basil uh used to run with rodney dangerfield and jimmy uh most people you know know him from the sitcom but he's one of those iconic stand-ups that is just fantastic i agree and, and that's, i agree yeah and he's a great and he's a great guy too he's really down to yeah, earth right and yes. very approachable and and I, I like him a lot. Um, hey, uh, Steve, I got uh, people are in the chat room, and they um, have a question for you um, uh, about uh, when you were talking about comedy store players. And uh, this woman says, uh, there was an era when Mitzi decided we all needed to be in improv, improv troops that she gave food names. I was in strawberries and cream, or spaghetti and meatballs, right. uh, and then Pat Mulligan comes and says, "I remember spaghetti and meatballs with Dana Gillette and Mark Fenske." Is that is that that time when you were saying how that later became the Groundlings? Is that what you were referring no, to? No, no, no. That's that's something that was totally after? different. That was gotcha. way after. Way okay. when after Gary's after Gary's class became popular and the Groundlings opened up, then. Mitzi went on the bandwagon and she said, well, you know, maybe improv is the way to go. And, and she was developing stand-ups and she was developing comedy actors. And that's what 
they had. You know, that's what you get out of those that's improv true. groups. Did you know a guy named Lenny Schultz? Absolutely. One of the funniest... Okay, so this guy, Pat Mulligan, says, my favorite Mitzi story. In 1979, Lenny Schultz whipped out his junk on the main room stage. Mitzi at her table told Robin to go up and take Lenny off stage. Robin obediently did her bidding. A shock Lenny walked by her table and says, why? And and in her inimitable, almost Jack Nicholson voice said, Lenny, did you have to show him your dick? That's my best Mitzi short. Did you ever hear that story? I know I never heard that story, but Lenny was <laughs> Lenny was certifiable, and uh, and he was the, he was so funny, he was so unique, he was crazy on stage, and he was a, a teacher in New York, and he wouldn't go out on the road or do any of the the clubs or TV you know uh, commitments because he had this pension at in at New in New York, and he wasn't going to give it up. Oh wow! It was, yeah, it was really crazy. It was crazy. He was. Now, did was, did you get on Make Me Laugh through the Comedy Store? Was that like uh, a um, where they would come and no, recruit? No, I think I got on through my agents through. Uh, uh, at ICM. Yeah, through ICM. I'm pretty sure. I now, did. what was when you were at at the store? Was you know scoring an agent like from William Morris or CAA or ICA? I don't even know if CAA was around. No, CAA was wasn't around. It was it was William Morris and ICM. Those uh, are the two big the ones. Those are the two big ones. Yeah, and, and then lots of like ma- lots of managers used to hang out. Like George um, Slaughter was was he like a big player? Bob Zamuda? Did you any of those guys? Or was that later? Like no, George that was Slaughter later. It must have been. But like laughing, yeah, go ahead. George would come in, but uh-huh. not on a regular basis. And George was already established with laughing. Laughing had been years prior. Right. You know? Um, and then, so then Bob Zamuda, he didn't come on to way like later with comics. Way, way later. But, you right. know, but there was also comics like, um, I can't think of his what name. What about like now. Bernie Brostein? Was, was oh, he yeah, like the, a player back then? He was, that came later. Bernie Brillstein okay. came like in the eighties, uh, okay. you know, after he started signing all those people from Saturday night live, but the guy whose name I can't remember. I can see his face in front of me, became a well-known actor. Uh, his movie just won an Academy award. Uh, it was about an actor who was a superhero. I can't remember. Like a, a his bird man. The Birdman, Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton, the director Michael, Michael Keaton. Michael, yeah. Michael Keaton used to come in and do stand-up, and Michael was picked up by a manager in, that was... Yeah, then he got uh, Night Shift, remember, with Henry Winkler. That was his big, and uh, Shelley Long, that was his breakout thing. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, but his, his, it was his movie career that, that they were going, uh, that they were developing. How and was Michael Keaton up, in the stand-up? He was great. You know... Certain people just stuck out. And Michael was, you know, likable. He was good-looking. He was funny. Uh, he was natural on stage. And all that translates into acting. Well, uh, Because okay. when you're doing stand-up... Let me say... Go ahead. Let me just finish. Go ahead. Let me finish, finish my thought. Ah! When, you're doing, when you're doing stand-up, actually what you're doing 
is a one, a 20 minute or 40 minute acting exercise where you're saying the same words you've said for 30,000 times, but you're saying them so that they sound like this is the first time you're saying it. I want to so, say one thing. Very well put. Very well put. I want to say one thing. Let me say All something. Right. Let me say, come on, this is Trevor's Happy Hour, 714-798-9806. But I want to say something. David Letterman worked with Michael Keaton on this uh, Mary Tyler Moore show in the 70s, and it was horrible. Right. It was horrible. And and he always like... But that's not, the, that's not their fault. It was horrible because it was badly written and because Mary Tyler Moore had come out of the Dick Van Dyke show and the all of America knew her as Mary Richards. And now suddenly Mary Richards was on television as Mary Tyler Moore and the audience didn't accept it. Right. And then and then like David Letterman goes, Oh my god, Michael Keaton's Batman? I go, What what's going on here? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Remember Michael Keaton was Batman in the eighties. Right, yeah. right. Michael's a great Michael's a great actor and I ran into him about a Four or five years ago, out in the valley, we was out at Best Buy's. That's where I was at Best Buy's, and Michael was there. And Michael was as warm. It was like no time had passed. He was just there was no had no effect. He was just a warm, genuine person, you know. And those are the people who usually continue on. Yeah, most right. people think. Mobile. Go ahead. Steve, um, you know, since you were talking about Jimmy Walker being a draw, and we were talking about Michael Keaton, um, were were you around like when guys like Craig T. Nelson, who you know were started at stand up, or like Steve Landisberg, um, yes. that later I became would... better known uh, for their acting work? Uh, yes. You know, what are your memories of guys like that, and well, how did Mitzi right. feel about the guys like Freddie Prince and 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 those guys who are Steve Landsberg or Craig T. Nelson that, you know, sort of eclipsed stand-up when they went on TV. Well, uh, Craig T. Nelson, Rudy DeLuca, and Barry Levinson were a writing team. The three of them were a writing team. And they were, Rudy was Sammy's partner in the club. So the Rudy would bring in Craig T. Nelson and Barry Levinson, and the three of them would get on stage and they do, you know, like one of their bits was models on their day, male models on their day off, and and it was hilarious. They were hilarious. So Barry wanted. Did Rudy to and Mitzi get along? Did I Rudy and Mitzi get along? Oh. I I don't know. I don't think Rudy's a very difficult person. Rudy and I never got along. We don't get along to this day. Uh, but it's just, Barry was pretty cool, when, as I remember. Barry Levinson? Barry was very cool. But So yeah. l- listen to how, in, intri- how intertwined everything is in show business. So okay. Barry wanted to do films. And, he finally, and so he left the writing team, and he started writing with Valerie Curtin, who he met at the comedy store and later married. They'd started doing, they started getting their movies made, okay? And when they needed an actor, who did Barry ask for but Craig T. Nelson? And that's how Craig got his start as an actor. 
Yeah, like this is like like poltergeist and uh, wow. Poltergeist. And before that, I mean, before my time, yeah. I think it's and then a good coach. And, yeah, yeah, with Al Pacino. Oh, that was a great movie. And, that and, was and a the great funny movie. Was, the funny thing is that Bar- that Craig, in his younger days, was a wild man. You know, he had a beard and. And, yeah, now now and, he plays like this patriarch of you know right, he, right. The, the family guy. Yeah, wow. Right, he was a wild man, and, and as a matter of fact, he left Los Angeles for three or four years to live in the mountains of Colorado. And wow. yeah, and you know, Steve, uh, since you're being so candid, uh, in the '80s, cocaine was a huge, huge problem and stuff. What was the drug scene like in the '70s? It was, was was it a big deal or? Uh, it, it, let me just say that I remember standing out in front of the comedy store and Monica Johnson pulling up in her car and they opened the door and she fell out onto the, onto the pavement like they did in uh, Ab Fab, you know, absolutely fabulous. Yeah. You know, when, right. That day, yeah. Yeah. And, and it, it, it was everywhere. It was, I mean, we were all doing, we're all smoking pot and doing, now I could never do drugs and do my show. I tried it once. Someone gave me cocaine uh, before my show and I got on stage and you know how you ride the wave of the laugh and you, you start the next joke just as the wave starts to crest. I could never find the rhythm and I was always a little bit ahead of the audience, you know, and you know, your anticipation is this is going to be so great. I'm so excited to be, you know, and I, and it was such a disappointment because I did like 45 minutes worth of material in 17 minutes. Wow. You know, you know, it was just awful. And so I have never done that ever again in my life ever. I was always, um, I prided myself in my professionalism of always, you know, showing up on time, doing what was asked of me, and and not doing drugs before the show. Did your, after hey, the hey, show? This is Trevor. Did watch you, hey, out. This is Trevor. Did your check bounce? My check? Yeah, on that, on that show. Did your check bounce because you like screwed up the show? Uh, no, I never, I, in all the years, in 40 years of working, if that was a joke, I don't get it. Uh, it yeah, in, yeah. 40, in 40 years of working, I've only been stiffed once in El Paso. <laughs> and and the, guy, the guy said to me, uh, we got robbed. No. I said, yeah, how does that affect me? He said, well, we don't have enough money to pay me. Well, like I, Bill, said, I, I, hey. talked, I talked to Bill Kirkenbauer, and he said he like had like plenty of like, he was stiff plenty of times. What, 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 what was this, 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 this scene like Like when in the 80s, like a lot of the comics would hook up with the comedy store waitresses and like Robin Williams, you know, ended up marrying one and Jim Carrey, Melissa. Um, what, what was this scene like for like a single comic where they're like comedy groupies? Because I know yeah, they were in the com- 80s. There were plenty, plenty of them. And, and then that's just like when Herpes hit, you know. Yeah, right. There were comedy groupies, and I, I you know, and I had my share. You know, people. I, I'm still friendly with some of them to this day. Um, 
And uh, you know who else would come in? There was a comedy group, comedy duo called Franken and Davis. Yep. And it was Al, Al Franken and Tom Davis. Tom Minnes- Davis? He's a Minnesota senator. Or he used to be. Yeah. Al yeah. Franken. He was. Yeah. Al Franken. And he, he got shafted. We have a president who's, you know, screwing, you know, anything that moves. And Al Franken took a comedy picture, and he lost his seat. Well, sure, yeah, right. And it was. So, what, what do you think I, of this whole thing, like with the Me Too, like with Louis C.K. and and you know the way it's uh, Aziz? I'm sorry. Do you, I mean, do you, do you keep up with like some of these young comics now? And I mean, I, well, Louis C.K. I mean, is not a young comic. Yeah, comedians, comedians. What? Louis C.K. is not oh, a no, 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 no. I'm just saying that the Me Too movement, I I, uh, I just segued in a bad, I, I was jumping around in ages, but I'm just talking about, you know, comics, uh, the offshoot of Harvey Weinstein getting, uh, I mean, if in the 80s there was the Me Too movement, we would all not have careers. Um, right, right, right. No, look, yeah. society evolves, and we're yeah. evolving to a more aware society where where actions in the 70s are no longer acceptable in the in the in the year 2018 and just like uh how african americans were not allowed to drink out of the same fountain it is the country has evolved to see how wrong that was now we're evolving to see how the treatment of women has been wrong and, right. you know, you, you can either fight it and look like an idiot, or you can grow and accept right. that things are changing. Hey. Well, that's one thing about Mitzi that on. was amazing, the Hang way on. she would um, nurture female comics. Hang would you well, agree, Steve? You know what? Yes, I do agree. But you know what was... There would be no female comics like there are today if it wasn't for Mitzi and the belly. That was my point. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's a bigger point. There's an even bigger point. Mitzi was a woman in a man's industry, and yes. Mitzi and Mitzi made it. Mitzi made the, them come to her. She created this, and and now the men are coming to her. Well, or yeah, came they, to they, her. they they no, came to her. I, I, but but I, I gotta I, tell you, I gotta something. say something. I gotta Wait. say something. Trevor's engineer right. just commented. He goes, "Talk, ask Steve about Roger Bear and Roger Peltz." Roger, right, Roger. Was, I remember Roger and Roger. Sure, that's what he Roger was. Roger and Roger, and uh, uh, they were great. And then all of a sudden, they split up, and, and, and because they were like joined at the hip, and no one could understand. But then we later found out that it was drugs. One of them was doing drugs, and. It was ruining the so action. Roger so Bear was the drugs, right? I have no Roger idea. Roger Bear. Yeah. I have no idea. So Roger was Bear was a good-looking one, and the other Roger was this tall, sort of lanky kind of guy with blonde hair, uh, and they were very, very funny. And do you, do you remember Stephen Leo, or was that after your time? No, that or was Rick that. and Ruby? I'm just trying to think of, like, uh, no, I don't, comedy that was after my. That was after my time. And, and, and um, but Dave Lerman always brings up a guy. Uh, what was his name? The guy, uh, 
He was a he was a it was a big guy. Remember, Dave? You told me he lived in that in that apartment building. What was his name? Ollie Joe Prater. Ollie Joe Prater. Willie Parsons. That's the guy. That's Ollie the Joe. Guy. I knew Ollie Joe very well. Well, uh, there was a, yeah. Ollie, now, there wasn't Blue a joke. Deck Ollie loses Joe his mind. Like. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. There wasn't a joke that Ollie Pro, Joe Prather didn't like and take. He was notorious. Yeah, Ollie was notorious amazing. That. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Lou dead. Deck. If you, if, I mean, if you really wanted to just see him go off like a loose cannon, in uh, I'm dying, uh, not in Bud Friedman's book, uh, he alleges that uh, Ollie Joe Prater was behind the arson at the Improv, um, and uh, you know, uh, uh, I've Ollie has passed away. Yeah, I've heard and, that. and 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 uh, it was and. You know, they, it was weird because I really enjoyed the book I'm Dying Up Here because the book actually ends when me and Doug arrived in Hollywood in 87, which mm-hmm. was, you know, with Kinnison and Dice, and that, and that's where it is. But the Super TV show ends with uh, the Goldie character who is, as, as Steve so eloquently put it, is like Swan Lake and Schwarzenegger. This Goldie character burns down her own club and next month the show's coming back and and the, the internal logic just doesn't work but in the book they actually you know they name names and they don't have these archetypes and the book was fantastic and i think uh, you should yeah. get credit for that that comment steve uh, you know i would have loved to but that's like the story of my career you know what i mean is i uh, the unknown comic gets makes this comment that creates the 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 venue for them him to write this book and then it becomes a tv show and it's my comic that the comment that inspired all of this and i don't get credit for it that's you know I, that's that's what kip that's adada is. that's what kip adada told me he goes if you're going to tell somebody's joke at least give them freaking credit for it right Right, exactly. Right, like the most and, and famous guy like, you never heard of. It's like right, but it's like I had Zombie Wolf in here, and we, he's talking about the Hollywood Express. Remember that paper you get in the in the rack, the paper rack? And, yeah, yeah right. I was just they still have that. Yeah, but I was no, shocked because we were just at the at the we were just at the store two weeks ago. Yeah, because I advertise in the Nickel Shopper, okay, and they like give me free ads. But here's the thing: Do you hear the back page got shut down by the IRS? For like, for like yeah, yeah, well, because of human trafficking, they've got uh, sex like, workers. I mean, well, devastated the industry. Th- that's common. But you're getting way off topic here, Trev. No, I'm not. Way off no, topic. No, I want, I want Steve to make a... Uh, I have okay. a Mitzi story. Common. Okay. Well, when the club in the 70s was starting to wane, uh, Mitzi needed to do something. So across the street, there was a little store. And when I tell you little store... Maybe it was a hundred square feet. Mm-hmm. Maybe Where the House of Blues was, or the tattoo place. Or... Yes. Is that what we're talking? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. And Mitzi opens the pickle barrel, and it was a store that sold pickles. And the joke was that Sammy used to say it needs more decor because Mitzi went in there and she took this hundred square feet and she turned it into this you know, this mansion of pickles. And, oh, and I never it, was knew my, that. it was my first, it was my first indication that Mitzi was a marketing genius because she made this damn pickle store a success. 
And then when she got when she got the uh, comedy store in the divorce, she had to sell the pickle barrel or or give it up. She had to give it up. Now, did you ever go to Ciro's be- before the comedy store was there? Because uh, no, considering yeah. that it was in the thirties and forties, I don't think so. Oh, well, I don't know that. Yeah, the Ciro's was you know the like I think it's. Either you know it was old Hollywood, really old Hollywood. Yeah, because we we met this guy who opened a version of Ciro's in Beverly Hills, and I was always under the impression it was the same Ciro. But I, I drank a lot and did a lot of cocaine, so my memory's not that good. No, I I don't remember that club in Beverly Hills, but Ciro's was long. No, gone. it was like was like was Ben Frank's, um, like a Cantor's were, were those. You know, uh, I, I don't think Cardi's was around. No, Ben Franks. Frank? No, Ben Franks. Oh, Ben Franks. Ben, yeah. All right. Let, here's yes. another story. Here's another story from that time. Uh, 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 Franklin Ajay had a manager, huh? okay? And the manager, we used to hung up, hang out at the club. And Franklin comes up to me one night and he says, come on, we're all going to my manager's place. He makes cookies. I said, your manager bakes cookies? He says, yeah, he wants us to taste them. So we all go over to, the, to, the, to this guy's house, and he's got like pans and pans of cookies, and everybody's tasting them, and, and they were delicious. Was that Famous Amos? About six weeks or seven weeks later, a store opens up on Sunset, Famous Amos. It's famous cookies. Amos. Oh, the best cookies ever. Oh, my God. Trevor. <laughs> there that's, was... That's... Uh, as a sunset strip, they're like how they have the bullwinkle store. No, no, no. Famous Amos open no, like a that's, pickle that's, barrel for cookies. And, hang on a wow. second. Hang on a second. Franklin that's, and Jai's manager was Famous Amos. No, no, hold. That's, yeah, that's, that's, oh my god. Hey, wow. Hang on a second. Hang on. That's the TV yeah. show. TV show. Taxi. Yeah. Taxi. Here's another story. Here's another story. One night we're at the comedy store and uh, 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 oh god, I'm getting so bad with names. He just passed away. Uh, Chuck McCann. Chuck McCann. Chuck, 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 McCann. Chuck McCann is there, and so is uh, the guy who did Roger Rabbit, who I know like I Charles know my Fleischer, own Charles Fleischer. And, Charles Fleischer. Fleischer. Charlie Fleischer is there, and we're sitting around, and Chuck comes over to me and says, look, these girls, this lady wants me to go over to her house, and uh, I don't want to go alone. Would you guys come with me? So Charlie and I say, Sure. So we get over to this woman's house, and she's sitting at the table across from me, and she said, do you notice anything different about me? And I went, no. She said, I've had half a facelift. And then, so I look at her. On one side of her face, she's like 27. On the other side of the face, she's 87. <laughs> and I said, why would you do that? And she said, well, I'm an advertisement for a plastic surgeon. Before and, <laughs> and after. That's funny. <laughs> I, I'm not making this up. I'm not making this no, up. I know you're trying to. I mean, this is a. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and Polly. Paulie... Right, wait, wait, wait. I got another. I got another one. Okay, go. Uh, all right. So, um, the big guy from the Tonight Show, the tall comic, Chuck. Uh, uh, he died. Uh, no, right. not Chuck. The big tall guy from the Tonight Show. He was on. It was a writer on the Tonight Show. Uh, I can't think of his. Dead. 
what? He's dead. Is he alive? Uh, oh, Jesus. Uh, Bob Einstein. No, um, is it Pat dead. Riley? Was it Pat Riley? No, no, no. no. It, this is back in the 70s. Uh, he, he streaked on the Tonight Show one night. Uh, he was absolutely insane. Hold on. Let me, let me see if I can. I ha- There's an idiot savant here that knows everything. The writer on The Tonight Show, big, tall guy, uh, crazy. Last name was Mick something. Uh, we don't know. It'll come to me. Anyway, he was drunk, and he asked me to, you know, they were, we were at somebody, somebody's house. They had this big fish tank and was sitting on a bar, and I'm sitting next to him, and uh, he looks at me, and he says, Worst episode of SeaWorld I have ever seen. <laughs> oh, he, and he had another joke. How do you cure 10 million people's hemorrhoids at once? How? Preparation H-bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Pat McCormick. Uh, Pat McCormick. Pat McCormick. Just came to me, Pat. Yeah, it's so right. funny because I was I was just mentioning to to my mom. Sam Kinison had a fundraiser at Madison Square Gardens for Lenny Bruce's mom, Sally Marr. Sally Marr, he, I knew very so well. So he yeah. uh, uh, now Steve Bluestein um, actually Stein. worked wait, with wait, wait. You got it right? Steve Bluestein. I'm sorry, Steve Bluestein worked with uh, Sam. Had gathered. All of, of, of Sally Mar's favorite contemporaries, and it was Chuck McCann, Pat McCormick, uh, Gaylord Sartain, and uh, a guy who Steve worked with was Bill Siller, Pat Cooper, who yeah. had quite a resurgence. And now, when when you said insane, the first thing that came to mind is is Pat's a little little loopy now. Uh, All right, was, l- when l- you worked me, with let him, me, let me tell you about Pat. Pat. Okay. Has the has the reputation of being uh, hard to work with, uh, crazy, and you know all that stuff. When I worked with him, I worked Phyllis Stiller, myself, and Pat Cooper did a show at this at Caesar's Palace. It was a cavalcade of comedy. That's what it was called. Pat could not have been nicer to me. He was he was so warm and so. Uh, you know, supportive. And when I then went to New York a few months or maybe a year later to work in a club in New York, Pat, Pat Cooper showed up the first night and was in the audience. He was, he was always nice to me, always. So I have nothing but good things to say about Pat Cooper. Wow. Yeah, and that's another great point that, that Steve brings up. I uh, I took my mom for her 81st birthday two weeks ago back to Hollywood, and I hadn't been to the comedy store in about 10 years. And uh, uh, Argus Hamilton uh, arranged for so I could do, you know, a quick five minutes. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it, the comedy store now compared to how it was in the 80s, but the the comedians, the guys like you know Dom Marrera, Argus Hamilton, um, you know who still even today, 
you know, are still there for you, like you were saying about how the loyalty, the aspect. That's the difference between, you know, the comedians who are truly artists, even even guys like Jim Carrey, who, you know, became ultra famous. Uh, if, 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 if you were friends with them, like back in the Living Color days and stuff, they still respect you now, and it doesn't change. Right. Uh, where as opposed to these new comics, like your Kevin Hart's, your, um, I don't even know, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of the new breed of comedian. I, you not know, either, but I'm going to uh, say something. The ones that haven't really paid their dues. Can I just say something? You know, something? but the loyalty. Can I please say something? Sure, Trevor, sure, show. Somebody just said Pat was nice to people who didn't threaten him professionally with talent. And then I saw him on Howard Stern. He said he couldn't get it up anymore. I mean, but Pat Cooper was like, but he would like bust your balls, dude. Pat Cooper. So you, 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 know, you know who was very, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, you, you know who was a, another amazingly nice guy, Don Rickles. Did you ever work with Don? I never worked with Don, and I never met him. And that was one yeah. of my regrets, that I never met I him. Met, I met him at Comic Relief. Uh, uh, I, that was, uh, it, it's a shame that we don't have, I mean, they have this red nose day now. But we, we don't have these sort of showcases for the, the immortals. And uh, it was, like you said, it was such a golden age. There would, uh, Had it not been for Westwood, I don't think there would be college comedy tours. There's another show, it's called Crashing. It's Judd Apto and Pete Holmes that's on HBO, which is sort of like, I guess, the, the lighter side of I'm Dying Up Here. But it spotlights so much stuff that Mitzi pioneered. Would you, would you agree that, like, Westwood sort of pioneered the whole uh, comedy on college campus movement? Well, it, it was in reach of uh, UCLA. It was right there. Right, right, yeah, and, yeah. And so, yes, uh, I, listen, Mitzi, Mitzi thought of things that other people didn't see when Yakov Smirnoff came to the club and I was sitting with Mitzi and I'm watching him and I looked at her and I said, what are you doing? She went, Oh no, he's going to be a big star. And I said, no, he said, a Russian comic. Come on, Steve. And she was right. And now, what do you think of like how he parlayed his success in Branson? Because he has, you know, he has a theater in Branson, and he's still a, a very big draw. Yeah. Well, that. What do you think we're in here for? To sell peanut butter? Yeah. He, he, no, I know. I know. No, he, that's exactly what he, he what he should have been doing. He's making do, money. Do, that's that's yeah. what you do. That's the, the end money. game. Yeah. Yeah. You do. do you know who manages Gallagher now? No. Who? The amazing Jonathan's wife. No kidding. Did, did you know? Yeah, Anastasia. And, um, yeah, he's, uh, can I, uh, he does can a I different brand of comedy. Sure. Can I ask a question? Exactly sure. how long is this show? <laughs> well, I just yeah, got this Trevor got passes this, out. No, I just got this <laughs> message. No, hang on, hang on. I just got this and message. It, no, no, I, <laughs> no. it, Steve, Steve, till it hits that black hang on, stage where the on. eyes roll back. Dave, sure, Trevor. Say, <laughs> Sorry. No, no, listen I'm to this, grieving. Steve. I'm Steve, grieving. Steve, listen to this. Sure, what? Trevor, what? say something <laughs> and bring the show to a crashing halt with obtuseness. I go, 
That's okay. That's that's what I am. I'm just obtuse. I don't know. What does that mean? Obtuse? He's about to, I think we just got the light. He's about to black out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And on that note, I, I am checking out. Steve, it was a pleasure talking to you. I'm going to hand it off to Trevor. You guys take care. And God bless you, Steve. You're a wonderful, wonderful comic. Yeah, I know, I know. And I thank wanna, you I for pretending. I don't want to keep Steve too long. but, but hey, like, like, Listen. Go ahead. Uh, you know, my agent wants to know every show that I'm doing because... I'm I'm publicizing the book Memoir of a Nobody, uh, which will be out on May first. So, what show would we call this? Trevor's Happy Hour, like the uh, the uh, tribute to Mitzi Shore. Okay, and uh, exactly where does it go? It doesn't go like to your house and maybe Seven Eleven. Hey, hold, hold on a second. Is Mike the engineer still here? Mike, you there? No, it no, doesn't go to no, it doesn't go to Seven Eleven. It's like, no, no, no. I'll, I'll put it. I'll post it up on the website, and it'll. You can like download it and put it on your site. Can, can you can you send me an email with all the information? I'll do all that. Yeah, I will. Uh, Mike, the engineer, are you, are you there? Pro- do you have my email address? Yeah, I do. Okay, will you send it because I need to. I need to create a list for my agent. Mm-hmm. Um. Because we need to sell this, we need to sell this book. Daddy has a big mortgage to pay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, just go down to the uh, ninety-nine cent store. No, don't don't short sale me. I think the, the hardcover is thirty-five dollars. I can't even afford it. You know what? And I, uh, I just the, bought. I the, just bought. I just bought like four trucker hats that say Kmart on them. Is that cool? I'm gonna I'm gonna take them to the baseball game. I'm gonna wear Kmart ads. Is that cool? Oh yeah, that's it. Sounds sounds like you live a full life. <laughs> and people are laughing. They're going, "That's so like that's so like white." You live you know, a full life. It's yeah. white trash. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be white trash. Okay. <laughs> I don't I don't think going to be is the, the verb to be. I think you are white trash. Hey, wait, I got. I think we have Zombie on the phone. There's a guy named Zombie's on the phone. You it's like, he's, smoke, he's smoking weed right now. Listen, what? This guy, this guy, this guy, zombie came on. He's like, talk. He wants to talk to you. Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I said you beat me to the punch. I was not ready to say that. Oh, well, you know that's showbiz. That's yeah. showbiz. You know what? Hey, Steve. You know everybody has their like. You know when you like exit, like when the curtain goes down. What do you do? You just like go back in your dressing room and what do you do? And like, jerk off. What do you mean? What do you do? You go home. <laughs> you go jerk off. What do you do? Did you did you write these questions? Did you write these questions down before no. you had me on? Hey, I see that all week. You've been waiting. Listen, I remember a show in South Carolina. I don't even I don't even know what it was. The show was packed and it was like one of these gang bust, gangbuster shows, you know, where everything I said got huge laughs. And at the end of the show, I got a standing ovation and I went back to the office and I sat down and I picked up a magazine and I was summing through it. And the club owner comes in and he says, this is what you do after a show like that? I said, what do you want me to do? 
knit a rug? I mean, what am I supposed to do? I just was at work. Now I'm relaxing. Right. Uh, what did you eat? I, I never eat between shows because I end up burping in the middle of the show. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't eat. Hey, and hey, afterwards, I'll do eat. Do you want to eat like zombie? Listen to zombie. He goes, he goes like this. He goes... He's like smoking weed. He's like he keeps coughing like all the time. He's like smoking so some. He smokes like like twenty bowls a night. Twenty bowls a night. And he's like smoking there's a weed. Meeting, like... There's a meeting waiting for him. <laughs> no, he's no. Like, hate ruining a good buzz. He hates ruining a good buzz. It's like there's there's problems around my show. I don't know where is where is uh, where is where are you located? I'm in, I'm near Disneyland, Anaheim, or that area. Oh, and oh yes, there'll be a lot of booksellers, a lot of book buyers out there. <laughs> yeah, you should you should hook up. With me. Okay. They, they don't buy they don't buy books unless you can color in them. God hey, damn. Mike from Menifee. What? Like, you know you ever seen Mike from Menifee? He you know what he just said? He goes he goes Louis C K was a go getter. He didn't want to go home to jack off. He jacked off during and after our, our party. Okay, we got that. Uh, these are coming through my chat room. All right, you have a chat room? Yeah, How yeah. very 70s of you. How very 70s. <laughs> this is Steve Bluestein meets a zombie. This is a big, uh, a big moment. Trevor can't even read a, it. He they can't have even a chat room. <laughs> They're putting up satellites. <laughs> <laughs> the cars are driving themselves, and you have a chat room. Dude, did you hear about that one car that like they had these cars that like drive themselves like uh, Uber cars? Yes. And they're like no, they're I, like I have, they're mechanical cars, and they like crash into something. I have a te- I have a Tesla, I have a Tesla, and I it drives itself. Yeah, that's that's fucked up. It's not fucked up. It's great. So what? You just sit in the back seat, and the car drives itself? No, I sit in the trunk. What do you mean? I sit behind the wheel. What are you talking about? Oh, I just said if you it drives be, itself, what, is it, what does it matter where you sit? Well. You got to have your hands by the wheel. You have to. You have to. You have to be there in case there's an can you, but, but can you get a DUI in a car that drives itself? That's a good question. Yeah, I probably can't. But I don't drink, so you know that's that's not an option for me. I'm trying to learn from you. Well, I don't think I don't think it's working. <laughs> yeah, you learn. I, I'm an al- I'm a flat out alcoholic, but it's okay. I, I, I'm getting. I'm learning that now. <laughs> this, <laughs> you know what? The Jerry Lewis telethon wasn't as long as this show. <laughs> you don't have look. You don't have to go. Just be our yeah, friend. But, you can be our friend. We, we we're okay. We, it's like. I really, like, really enjoy listening. I, I would like, hey, time. dude, if I could ever take you down, like, to downtown Orange Circle, and we'll go to like an antique <laughs> shop. I want to take you to an antique shop, and we'll go shopping together. Oh, there's a dream come true. That's <laughs> <laughs> all the guys. Yeah. All what? The what? I, we're in in the city of Orange. The city of Orange by, yeah, Orange Circle, yeah. All right, listen, I was I was at, at this place in Barstow, mm-hmm. and they had all these letters, you know, all these letters uh, that they were selling, big, like, advertising letter, letters that came off of billboards. Mm-hmm. So I took the E, and I went up to the counter, and I said to the guy, 
I'd like to buy a vowel. (laughs) 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 And the guy looked at me like I was on crack. <laughs> he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. Well, but you say things that are out of out of you're out of whack because like you like well you like dropped your like uh walnuts on the ground and tell your balls or something. I don't know what you did. Oh no oh no, you how do you know about that? Because I watch what have... I watch look I, I, like I you like post it and I pay attention. Oh, I see. What happened was I was at Thanksgiving and I just had surgery. I had a little prostate cancer, but we're all fine. And I had surgery, and we were we were all sitting around the dining room table at Thanksgiving, and somebody dropped two walnuts, and I said, "I think those are my testicles." <laughs> and the woman sitting next to me laughed for about fifteen minutes every time she would get your breath. <laughs> You would start yeah. in again, and dude, you don't even get you, know, pa- you don't even get paid. I don't even think about it. Do you know it? That there are some comics who are have learned that if they say certain words in a row and stop, the audience will laugh. Mm-hmm. And then there are comics like Howie Howie Mandel and uh, and Paula Poundstone who are just intrinsically funny. You know, they just see the world differently than everyone else. I happened to be one of those people. I didn't even think about it. That was just the first thing that came out of my mouth when the walnuts hit the floor and they went ping, ping, like that. That's just the first thing that came out of my mouth. And, and you know, I, I'm just... Here's something else interesting, okay? My family comes from Russia. Yeah. Uh, and they come from a city called Odessa. So uh, I, have a, I have a Russian uh, travel agent who's you know, an immigrant, he's, he, and he's, so he, we were talking, and I said, you know, my family's from, he said, where are you from? Where are they from? And I said, Odessa. He said to me, well, then you must have a very good sense of humor. And I said, why? He said, Odessans are known for their sense of humor. They even have a comedy festival in Odessa. And I got to tell you, I was blown away because everyone on my father's side of the family has the same sense of humor that I do. Everyone. Yeah. Not, I'm the only one that went to do it professionally, but it's genetic. It actually is genetic. Well, I think... You know what the word genetic means? All right, go yeah, ahead. It's, it's in your gene. It's, it's in your gene. I know, it's like your DNA. There you go. There you go. I'm not dumb. I mean, I'm drunk, but I'm not dumb. Well, I, uh, yes, you are. Um, I can ask a question. Does this does this show have like a sponsor? Yeah, I got the nickelshopper dot com, and oh, okay. He on. said nickel. No, we we sell stuff in the newspaper. Oh, you have a newspaper? Yeah, the nickel shopper. again. I, right, crack. The, every newspaper in the country is going out of business. You're advertising in a newspaper. No, no. <laughs> I sell. I sell in the. I sell it at a throwaway paper at 7-Eleven. It's 7-Eleven. What corner? What corner do you sell it on? That's right. Well, I don't know. Wherever they Apple put Valley. it. Apple Valley. Yeah, Apple Valley. Yeah, Riverside. You know, I've, suddenly, I've suddenly realized that my career has come to this. I'm talking to a drunk at 10 o'clock at night. You know what? You're lucky. What? Somebody's still talking You're to you. You're making me laugh. Somebody's still talking to you, dude. 
I'm telling uh, you. Uh, you listen to me. Oh, now he's now he's got an attitude. What? I'm not. What do you want? I don't have an attitude. It's like I like you. You're funny. It's like you don't have to make money on everything. It's just like just have fun. Oh yeah, that's right. Don't make money on everything. No, don't do that. Just have fun and like and talk about. I got the hiccups now. Wait, I have to ask my dog something. Do you have to go potty? Do you want to go potty? <laughs> that's the show. Go. Yes, talk about going yeah, potty. You have to go potty. My dog, <laughs> I think my dog wants to go out. He's sitting there looking at you. Yep. Anyway, my dog's looking at me crying. Did you Maybe hear? he can hear the show. Do you know, do you know, do you know, like, I mean, do you really know anything about Howard Stern? I know nothing about Howard Stern. I'll I don't know Howard. I'm going to tell you one thing. It's like All right. Stuttering John, the, the guy who used to be on the, the Howard Stern show. Yeah. Dude, it's. I'll tell you, I'll tell you. This guy, Stuttering John, is being like lambasted by uh, a bunch of like heroin users and all these idiots over at the Howard Stern show. And they says that the like Sirius satellite radio is evil, and they want to put me on Sirius satellite radio like hiccuping. I mean, what's wrong with this place? Do you want? They're going to give you a show on Sirius radio? Yes, I'm going to do a sports show. Oh, good. I'm going to cancel my subscription. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to... Uh, hold on. Well, you know, are you going to be drunk? I mean, if you're drunk when you give the sports, you know who you should have on? Monica Piper. She she knows everything about sports. Okay. Everything. I don't know anything about sports. No, and I'm smart when I'm sober. Oh, when is that? Drunk on sports. Is that what it's called? Drunk. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's. Well, isn't there one something like drunk history or something? Come on. Yes, there was. Yeah. It's. Is it off the air? I'm not sure. I well, I catch once or twice in the Comedy Channel, I think. Oh yeah. Well, um. I know. I know. You're like yeah. you're a, you're a rich bigwig. I I get. I get. I get you. I understand. No, he's been very cool to talk to. He's so cool. I really enjoy my look, look. I know that you're rich and you like invested your money and everything. We've t- we've talked to you. I got the hiccups again. We've talked to you many right. times. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I, you're my friend, and I like you. I've never met you. <laughs> yeah, you did. You talked to me like three times. I have. Well, yeah. you made a great impression because when you call, I swear to God, I didn't remember you. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Have I'll I really just, spoken to you three if, times? If I, yeah, you spoke to me three times. If I just say you're like uh, Steve Blue Bluestein, you like Bruce Springsteen. If I say Steve like like Bruce like uh, Bruce Springsteen, then you'll understand who I am. Yeah. Remember the guy? Who okay. had the, had, remember the guy who had the helicopter going over his house, and and like and he was like talking to you like on his patio. Are you starting to delusion? Are you starting to get delusional now? Sort of. I, I don't know. It was pretty good though. It was. It was. It's like oh I, my I, God. I, I just remember. I just remember you from like my old days. I know. I think I hung up on you the last time you called. No, you didn't. <laughs> I think you did. <laughs> I, no, it's all coming back to me now. Good. I just realized I've wasted almost two hours. Jeez. You know what? And, like, and I like, I like the only one who's listening to this radio is an AA group 
Bulls, in Anaheim. Hey, you know what? Bull, you know, Bull, that's, it's like we got like people in this place. I got like like 25 people in here listening to you. Really? Yes. Does, it, does the fire marshal know? No, they're listening to you, though. Uh, you, so you get an audience? You get 25 people? Are I they have, homeless? I have an audience. I really do. I, I can, like, look my audience up. You can look <laughs> them up? Mm-hmm. On what? The sexual offenders website? Not, Where? No, on my on my website. Oh, but wait. Are they physically in the studio or are they online? They're online listening to you talk right now. All over the country? Well, yeah, there's, I got on... Boston, I got Boston, Massachusetts. I've got Detroit, Michigan. I've got Texas. I've got like uh, Southern California. I got everybody's here. I've got them. I can. I see got. Them. I got sunshine. But I, but I, I don't have like a whole studio filled with like you know like uh, people like people to, back U.S. people. <laughs> hey, can I sing a song for you? People. What? No, please. I don't want you to. I don't want to have a song sung to me by a drunk. People, people who need pe- people who need people. I'm just kidding with you. People who need people. All right. Okay. Oh, that's attractive. <laughs> All right. So I listen. Just, yeah. We've we've gone from a really intellectual conversation to this. So I think it's time for me to hang up and say good night. That's true. And you know what? I think that you're a great guy. And I'm glad you like well, showed up. And even I, though I, even though I, I wish get, I could say the same. What? Even, even though I went like crazy at the end, it's just like I'm glad that I, you love me. I uh, I think love is a strong word. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate. I appreciate. Yeah. Appreciate. Like when you cross the street, you're not hit by a bus. You know how you appreciate that? <laughs> That's what this is like for me. You're, you're going to have to like learn to live with me. You're going to have to learn to live with me. So it's Trevor's happy hour. And, and right. then what, and what, um, what, uh, does, does, are there call letters? This is a, this is a dysfunctional show. Yeah, I've, I've noticed <laughs> <laughs> it's Trevor's Happy Hour. That's all you do. www.trevorshappyhour.com. But we're dysfunctional, but we still love. We, it's like, look, we're trying. Like, I got five DUIs, dude. What, with six, you get egg roll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but those came back in the 80s and 90s. I didn't. I didn't. If this was Tuesday, it must be Belgium. <laughs> I'll just tell you. Well, you know, he's got a ticket and they punch holes in it. If he gets 10 of them, he gets. <laughs> He can go to jail. <laughs> I love you, Steve. You're, Steve, you like make me laugh. I love you. I know. And gay. in the morning, you're going to say, in the morning, you're going to wake up and say, who do we have on the show last night? I already night? know who you are. Look. You want to cut? Can hey, you, you hear wanna, that? You listen, wanna... listen, can you hear that? That's death <laughs> hitting the lamp. Yeah. Everybody, right. everybody goes. They want to hit right. my five. Uh, you go to go to sleep, Steve. You go to sleep. Does anybody want to ask me a question from? Yeah, zombie. Your ask, ask him. Ask him a question, zombie. No, no, from the listeners. Oh, it says a lot of. Oh, okay, hold on. Uh, can this guy be a regular? Tell that listener 
when hell freezes over. <laughs> Put on the interview archives. Yeah. Have you ever been on Opening and Anthony? That's what he was. He just asked you now. What's Opening and Anthony? It's, it was a radio guy, isn't it? Another idiot. How badly do you regret being on Trevor's show? That's what they keep saying. Oh, you have. There isn't even a degree that's measurable to say how badly I regret this. No. It's like, they're, 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 this is what they do. They just like, they like chastise me all day long. Well, he must have had a rotten mother. I so, did. Um, She's still here. What? She, your mother's, was your mother abusive? She was crazy as like a, a nutcase, yeah. Well, yeah, well, I, that, like, well me, me, mentally. And you've, re, you've recreated it on your radio show. I guess so. And like I talked about your mother. That's the reason I like you. Oh, uh, yeah. My mom passed away two years ago. Mm-hmm. How are you doing with that? I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I made my peace with her, and she, she was 94. Zombie, she was hey, to... zombie, you still there? Yes. Zombie's mother passed away, too, but she, but zombie knows, like, the hate, not, not hatred, but, like, the angst that goes on between your, like, son and your mother. Yeah, my mom and I, my mom should never have had children. You know, she was she never got that nurturing gene. So, but like I said, I've made peace with it. Yeah, I made peace with it. You know what I got? I got a knock on the door this morning. My mom came up here, and she's not going to be around much longer. But she came up here, and she goes, she goes, Trevor, I never gave you enough love. I go, no shit, Sherlock. It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what, what do you want me to say? It's like, go away. It's like, but zombie, you know, you know what I mean? I know, but she's trying. You know, they, as they get older and they realize that they're approaching the end of their life, they start reviewing and, and they're trying to help. And plus, when they see that you're an alcoholic, she probably feels guilty for that. <laughs> Well, and when you get older, you realize that they did the best that they could, that they knew how. Yeah, I know. You know That's what, what my shrink kept telling me. You know, they didn't do out of spite. It's just the best that they knew how to do it. They, yeah, they, they're, only, they're only reacting about how their parents tra- treated them. It's true. Yeah. It's true. It's okay, you know. Trevor. You need to go. Um, you need to go because, you know, just get some sleep. And, and uh, your, your hip, is your hip better? Like whatever happened to you? No, it was not my hip. What was it? It was my prostate. Prostrate. prostrate. Oh, your prostrate. Not prostrate. Prostate. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I've just finished a new book, another book called Take My Prostate, Please. That'll be out in the fall. All but right. the, my book now, Memoir of a Nobody, which you can get at, uh, you can pre-order it now on Amazon. And, uh, but you have to, Enter it as Memoir of a Nobody by Steve Bluestein, because it turns out there's a couple of books called Memoir of a Nobody. But just put in Memoir of a Nobody by Steve Bluestein, and you'll get it. You know what? It could be worse. But Steve, you have to go, but it could be worse. You could be like Kipadada, and that would be even worse than anything. Well, listen, you know what? I love Kip. I really do. My heart breaks for him. He called the cops because... on me. He called the cops on me. Well, see, I, he did. I have he a little. A, I, have, I have a little cold. 
No, um, he called the cops on you. I have a whole new respect for him. No, no, he called the cops because he says he says that I was like like a, what is that like a welfare call or something like like on my mom. But we just called him on the phone. He and he called my mom a bunch of names and stuff and said like uh, he was calling my mom names on the phone. No, it wasn't. I, mean, I, 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 I think I think I don't said, care. I think I don't care. I I, I love I love Kip. Because I understand his pain, and I I knew him when he was at the top of his game, and that's how I'll always remember him. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. I, I love Kip. Too. I got it. I love him too. I got. I gotta go. go. I have to go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks, Steve. It sounded like that dog needed you bad. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> Thank does. Thank you so much. Goodbye. It's almost two hours. It's goodbye. almost two hours. Yeah. You know what? I got you. Right. I got you. Okay. Goodbye. All right. You promised me you'll send me a link or something, right? Of course I will. I'm going to post it up, and then I'm going to, like, put the interview and everything. Okay. Is that a threat? <laughs> no. I have Mike the interview. All right. Goodbye. Go away. All right. Bye-bye. Thank Goodbye. you. Thank you, Steve. <laughs> Bye. Bye.